0: Our first reading tonight is from Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods, in his hand Are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice.
1: Second reading is Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 to 19. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for forty years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Thank you, Sam.
2: Please keep... That passage open, page 1203. Uh, Continuing in Hebrews, last week we had the first bit of chapter 3, we saw that command: fix your thoughts on Jesus. And we continue tonight from verse 7. I remember at Cornhill being told of a preacher, possibly John Stott, but it's probably something that lots of preachers have done, saying, as he climbs the steps to the pulpit, saying, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And our passage opens. So, as the Holy Spirit says, so we believe in the Holy Spirit to speak to us now. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, you have inspired these scriptures for us. But you didn't just speak once. Once you continue to speak as we read the word and you apply it to our hearts and the lives of everyone here. Holy Spirit, speak to us, we pray. In the name of our Savior Jesus, for his glory. Amen. One of the great dangers for the church, I think, to us as a body of Christians, is individualism. Not that we shouldn't emphasize the moral worth of an individual, because of course we should, but rather that danger that we operate almost entirely as individuals, almost entirely independently, and that that attitude permeates our lives as Christians. And so the great concern is only ever How is my relationship with God? And that when you come to a Bible text, you're reading it only in that way. What does this say about God and me? Which is not a bad question. It's an essential question. But if that's the only thing you're asking, and it's becoming individualistic. And so you come to a passage like this that we've just read, and maybe you're thinking, okay... The big point here is that this is saying, I need to not be hard to God's word. So I need to read the Bible. And I need to be hearing sermons. And more than that, I've got to not just hear, but believe and obey. It's That's true, it's in the passage, that's there. And maybe in that few moments as I stepped up to come to the lectern and you heard the passage and maybe you're in the habit of just thinking what is the sermon going to be about and you thought about your life and thought actually maybe i'm i'm pretty good here not perfect i need the encouragement i'm doing basically okay um i don't get to church every week but i listen to sermons online when i don't um i generally read the bible quite a bit maybe even every day I'm seeking to put into practice what I hear, just like any other disciple does, imperfectly, but I'm seeking to do it. So this sermon is going to be a good spur, but it's not going to be too uncomfortable. And if that is so, those lessons you've taken from the passage, they are there, they are important, but you've heard it individualistically, and you've maybe missed the main thrust of, of where the writer to the Hebrews is going which is there in the commands in verse 12 and following as he follows the quote from Psalm 95. See it in verse 12? See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you, not just you individually, but no one amongst the fellowship has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And verse 13 Encourage one another. Not just you make sure you're getting encouraged. Encourage one another daily. You see, so it's not just about me and me keeping watch of my heart. It's about us all keeping watch of one another's hearts. This is not simply, am I okay? Yeah, I think I'm okay. Okay. You know, I've I read in my Bible this week. I don't know how the rest of the church is okay. I wasn't there, but I listened online, and I'm okay. It's not that, but are you okay? Are we keep are we all keeping going with the Lord? Not simply how can I get encouraged this week, but how can I encourage others? That's the basic point today. Last week, fix your thoughts on Jesus. This week, a key way in which we do that, we help each other. Encourage one another daily. Encourage one another daily. Our Christian journey is not a pilgrimage through the desert where we just look up occasionally and notice, oh, there's some other people here. And we nod and we smile, and then we just focus again on our own journey. If, as last week's passage said, we're going to fix our thoughts on Jesus... If it's, if it's said at verse 6 at the end of last week, we're going to hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory, we're going to need to do that together. We're going to need one another. We're going to need to look out for each other, that there be no one amongst our number whose heart is going hard to God's word. So we seek to encourage one another daily. Because in the end, that approach is best for me too, if I was just thinking about myself. After all, hearts that go hard don't always represent people who just quietly stop coming to church. So that can happen, and that ought to be a concern, and I'd want you to be very concerned if I started doing that. But hearts that go hard can also represent people who start to become troublesome for the rest of the church, people who cause others to go a bit wobbly, maybe even people who become leaders And mislead the church. So the best thing for all of us, even if I am just thinking of myself, is actually to be concerned for one another. And sadly, there are plenty of examples to go where this didn't happen. People didn't stay true. They hardened to God's word and they didn't make it. And perhaps none are more famous, none is more famous than that example of the Israelites in the desert who God had rescued from Egypt. Moses was faithful, we saw that last week, but pretty much everyone else, all the adults who had left Egypt in that great rescue, what a wonderful start was that? Well, pretty much all of them, except Joshua, except Caleb, didn't make it to the Promised Land. They rebelled. And over 40 years, they all died. It's remembered at several points in the Old Testament, including Psalm 95, which we had read out, and which the writer quotes here to give us the warning. They didn't make it, and therefore we must encourage one another daily. So let's get into this text. And you notice, as I highlighted at the start, in verse 7, it just starts there. As the Holy Spirit says... So he's clearly treating scripture as inspired by the Holy Spirit, by God, but also that the Spirit continues to speak to us through the scriptures now, if we will listen. So verse 7, quoting Psalm 95. Today, there's the Holy Spirit talking to you. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. If you hear God's word, don't harden your hearts. Sometimes that happens Immediately, doesn't it? Often on a question of authenticity, I don't think God said that. I don't think God would do that. passage of the Bible is opened up, can be on all sorts of controversial issues, and that's the immediate response. God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't say that. That's not God's word. And the heart goes hard immediately. Other times it's not so immediate. And it can come down to, well, I think that probably is God's word. But I'm not really sure I can trust that as good for my life, which is the Garden of Eden, isn't it? God did say don't eat of that fruit, but I'm not convinced that that's the way for me to flourish. I think maybe that's a better path over here. I'm not sure I can really trust that God... Wanted the best for me there. Other times it's not a question of authenticity. It's not even a question of trust. It's just simply a matter of I don't want to obey. I I know this is what God says. I know it's probably right, but oh, I want to do that so badly. So I will. And the heart goes hard. Whatever it is, God's voice is heard, but the heart goes hard. And the writer says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that this doesn't happen for any of you. Not just for you, for any of you. Watch out for each other. Someone's confused about something in the Bible. How could it possibly be God's word? Work through it with them. Work through it together. Someone doesn't understand how God's word can be trusted as the best thing for them in their life right now, that this surely wouldn't be how I ought to flourish. Work through it with them. Someone simply struggling to obey God's word, well, they're going to do a lot better if you're there alongside them in the fight, cheering them on to obey God's word. This is much more than a bunch of people turning up in the same place on a Sunday and saying, how are you? I'm all right. Nodding and smiling to each other as they make their way through the wilderness. Even if you have good chats with people over coffee, do we get to this kind of a level in our fellowship? How is your heart doing? Do we get to that kind of a level? Because you can have good chats over coffee with people. I mean... This kind of an area, there are loads of people who are very good at conversations and keeping them going and having good conversations with people. But you may not have actually gone any deeper than, "Ah, oh, this person is also enjoying the Cricket World Cup. This person is also concerned about Brexit. Did you get to the level of their heart that so they don't become sinful and unbelieving? So we offer to pray with one another, perhaps. Just in a conversation. Christians ought to be able to say this to each other without embarrassment, yeah? I can tell that's really bothering you. Shall, I, shall we just pray about it now? Let me pray with you. Maybe we check in on one another on particular issues that we know about. Maybe we phone someone up we haven't seen for a while because we miss them. Maybe we ask each other good questions that Christians ought to be able to ask one another. We get involved in each other's lives. Get involved as we fight our battles with sin. Do not imagine that there is anyone here who doesn't have a battle with sin. We're all fighting battles. We all need to be alongside one another. Maybe we have people we pray with regularly to encourage us on the way. Maybe we be in house groups, midweek groups, morning groups on a Thursday. And that those groups actually seek, this is dangerous, to connect the word with the lives of the people who are actually there in the room, rather than all their aunts and uncles. And sometimes people will be just a little bit annoying in their enthusiasm on this, to look out for your heart, sometimes that's going to happen. And you maybe think, look, I just told you I had a cold. Did you really have to jump in and say, well, I'm going to pray for you to make the best spiritual use of your convalescence? You know, sometimes those kind of things are going to happen. They'll be a bit eager. But far better that. Far better that than not being concerned at all. Because we are meant to be encouraging one another. Another. This is what the book of Hebrews is. Yet to the end, I'm writing this as a word of encouragement, telling you about Jesus who died for you in glory and who sat down and leads sons and daughters to glory. I'm telling you about that as a word of encouragement and he wants us to become encouragers, just like him, encouraging one another in the gospel. Verse 13 then Let's go through this verse slowly. But encourage one another daily. Now that word for encourage doesn't simply mean chin up. Or I'm sure it won't be so bad. It's not that level of encouragement. It's a word which literally means something like calling alongside. Alongside calling. Calling. Which first of all means you have to be alongside people. We don't call encouragement from afar or just in passing. But getting alongside, really being involved in one another's lives, sharing struggles and joys. And then from that position of being alongside, calling, strong words of encouragement. Sometimes that's going to be hard words to hear. One way or another, you're just encouraging people to stay on the right path. That might mean having to drag them from over there. Do we do this for one another? You go on into verse 13 again, but encourage one another daily. As long as it is called today. Not simply on a Sunday, every day. Seeking to encourage the Christians you see, the Christians you know. Face-to-face, in a text, phone call, meeting up, whatever. A daily thing, which means, as often as I should be thinking, I need to hear God's word today, I should also be thinking, and who can I encourage? Is there a brother or a sister I can encourage today? And especially it's going to be encouraging from God's word because that word today, it's linking back into the psalm and the need to hear God's word daily. Are we doing that? Who can I give encouragement to today from the word? How can I help a brother or a sister to keep going? There is a very obvious application in there for anyone living with a spouse or children, isn't there? Do we do this for husbands and wives? Give specifically Christian encouragement every day? How easy for Christian spouses to just stop doing that, or maybe even never to have started. I wonder whether it's maybe, this is entirely speculative, whether it's maybe the most common unacknowledged first step in a Christian relationship that goes on to struggle. That there's no Christian encouragement between husband and wife. And for our children, daily encouragement. We're doing that. How often do we ask ourselves this question, who can I encourage today? Is it as frequent as, who do I have to do business with today? Who do I have to moan at today? Who do I have to sort out today? Is it as frequent as that? Because we all need to keep our thoughts fixed on Jesus, and we are all in a battle with sin, which would seek to deceive us, says the end of the verse. However it does that, and cause us to be hardened to God's word and to take our eyes off Jesus. Do you therefore see? How important it is in a church family to show up. Really important. I can't be of any help to you if I don't see you. And you're depriving me too if I don't see you. And I fear that in a British sort of way, we can be far too lenient with one another on this. So someone says, I I, I won't be at church next Sunday for this not particularly very good reason. And we reply, oh, I hope you have a lovely time. Now there are good reasons to miss meeting with a church family that we're a part of. There are good reasons sometimes to miss the regular meeting for a long spell, maybe through illness or looking after a family member. But there are far fewer reasons than I think we tend to excuse if we're serious about putting this passage, indeed Hebrews, into practice. I wonder really whether we're only semi-serious about it. Right across the age range, we're all going to have things that would draw us away from the fellowship. And we'll forget how important it is that we play our part in looking out for one another's hearts and encouraging one another. Because we all have the tendency to go individualistic as Christians and to forget about each other. And it's not loving. It's not loving the brethren. I need your help and you need mine. Verse 14, for we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end, don't deprive others of the encouragement that God wants to give them through you. you could well be a part of how someone else makes it across the finish line. But it's easy to be a selfish disciple. Because I was all right. I got my Bible reading. I got my encouragement. There have been a few examples recently, you've probably seen um, on TV or online, of runners being helped across the finish line when their legs had turned to jelly, those two brothers and one of them just dragged the other one across the finish line and then dumped him there. And there's been a few examples of that where we've seen that. The legs just suddenly go and they need to be dragged along. In the Christian life, that's not just at the finish line. That's at various points along the way. It happens quite a bit. We need others to encourage us and to help carry us at various points so that we get to the very end. But we can only do that if we show up for one another. I haven't seen any videos go viral where someone's legs have gone to jelly and everyone just runs past because they're so focused on completing their own race. You notice also verse 14, the first word of it, we, and that an interesting touch. The writer includes themselves here because he needs the encouragement too. He's not a guarantee. He needs the encouragement of brothers and sisters. Everyone in the fellowship does. The leaders in a church need that encouragement. Simon needs it. I need it. All the staff. Our families. So another strong word of encouragement. When did you last seek to encourage your vicar? In the job that he's doing for you, and just generally in the Christian life. Now, it does happen. I've seen it happen wonderfully. And it's lovely to see. But I know I've also come to six APCMs where loads of encouragement has gone out from the front, I don't really remember any going back. Easy to forget that church staff need encouragement too. Not just for their own good because we're all in serious trouble if the hearts of church staff go hard. We've got to look out for one another. Doing all we can to guard each other's hearts against unbelief. Encouraging one another on and to keep hearing God's word with faithful obedience. Because... And I mean, this is a scary end to the chapter. Verse 15 to the end. Goes back to the psalm and says, well, who was this talking about? Who was it whose hearts hardened in the rebellion? Who was that? It was the people who were let out in that great rescue from Egypt. What an amazing time that must have been to be alive and to see that. Yeah, but they sinned. Verse 17. Their bodies fell in the desert. They didn't make it to the promised land. They disobeyed. Verse 18. They didn't believe. Verse 19. And you can go back to the book of Numbers and read that sorry tale. And so the writer warns us, not don't let that be you, but don't let that be Any of you. Don't let it be any of us. Look out for one another. Not just for yourself. Special shout out to anyone who is listening online. Did you really have a good reason not to come today? Show up for each other. Not just for yourself. So that we all get there. Let's be asking ourselves, who can I encourage today? Let's pray.
0: Lord God, we are sorry when
2: we think just of ourselves,
0: when we think of our
2: Christian lives. And when we do not think of one another. And we pray that you would be helping us, changing us, so that we would look with loving concern upon every member of our fellowship, and that we would seek to be encouragers, that we'd all be pointing one another to your word, to your promises to the gospel of the Lord Jesus who died for us and is raised and exalted on high. That we would carry one another where we need to. That we would get alongside one another and call out strong words of encouragement. We pray this, that we'd all get there that we'd all get to that end of the race to be with you
0: in glory together Amen